hear every day a star is born But not everybody seems to see the light So many thoughts when I sleep at night But I feel blessed when I wake up So good afternoon. This is another edition of a Creators Like Podcast, Harness Your Gift. I got a very special guest. You want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Lori Ivy Alexander. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, we're here in the art factory um, and among my solo exhibition, um, Stories That End in Freedom. All right. And thank you so much for being on here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. So to everyone, sometimes you may get flyers, you may get handed business cards, and you're like, ah, I'll check this out sometime, or you just throw it away. So for me, you know, I stayed in this area. So I happened to come around here and I seen this art gallery, my first time actually seeing it. So I seen this flyer here and I was like, wow, who is this artist that created all these, these different masterpieces you're going to see here in this video? And they told me like she was going to have this uh, artist reception where she was going to speak about just the things she's done, kind of her background and her journey. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to sit in on this because as an artist, as someone that likes to see inspiration like in real time i was like you know what this is something i want to be a part of so i was glad i came there to mm -hmm. see you because you just never know and now you know she's here on this platform and i like i said i definitely appreciate you yeah yeah so to get it started you know how's your day and i know this is the last day of your art being here mm -hmm. so how do you feel right now um day is going great um i'm really excited to have you know have had the opportunity to show another solo show in manassas this is my second show in manassas and um, you know, it's a bittersweet kind of moment when a show, both when a show goes up and when a show comes down, right? So you kind of have that moment of excitement at the beginning where you're like, it's going up, it's finally done. It's, you know, then you go back to your studio and you have an empty studio and you kind of have this like postpartum depression kind of, what do I do next? And, you know, like, is anything going to sell? Is it, you know, did it install right? You're in that moment and then you see the magic of like the curator and the, you know, the lights and everything, and it's great. Um, and then you kind of ride the wave, right, of mm -hmm. the exhibition itself. And so now kind of here we are, right? And the moment is back to that like anticipation, right? Like all the work is coming home, that feels good in a way. At the same time, it's like, well, what's next, right? Like, exactly. and so I'm, I'm, I'm in a happy place for sure, but, um, but excited, you know? That's great. Yeah, and sure. the same enthusiasm she has speaking about, you know, the different things she has here, all her pieces was the same one that she had when she was speaking um, to so many people who had questions for her. You know, they wanted to know your early beginnings, you know, certain pieces that she gave names to, like what made you give it that name? And the thing about the artist is some of us are unorthodox. Some of us were very just straight and narrow, but the thing about it is, we have no limits. And when you don't put limits on your potential, you can go so far. Now, with that being said, in your early beginning, mm -hmm. what was some of the first things you ended up doing art-wise? Was it painting? Was it drawing? What was it? some of those things? Yeah. Um, I guess that I identified as art from like myself, as opposed to like, you know, being in school or something, you know, like doing an art lesson. Um, it would probably have been sewing, actually. Um, so I come from a long line of sewers, um, and um, my grandmother owned um, Cornell Draperies in D.C. and before that, um, Vogue Interiors, and you know she had a number of uh, of um, you know sewing-based businesses in the city. 
And uh, my mother's background was in fashion design. So like when I was, you know, like a really little kid, I had my own little, you know, little sewing mm-hmm. machine and, you know, I would do, um, I would do like hand stitches and, you know, whatnot. And so um, I used to make little, um, almost like tiny little quilts, like story quilts. And so they'd have little people on them and stuff like that. Um, and then I would say from there, I got really, really interested in poetry. Um, and that became my primary art form, like so much so that I had like a poetry coach, you know, as a kid, like I really was into that. Um, but yeah, that would be, you know, where it started. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And how important was it to have, you know, your parents there seeing your goals and seeing your dreams Mm -hmm. and being able to just instill into you, hey, just keep going, keep motivating. Like how important was that as you look back now? Critical, like a hundred percent. Um. I don't think that my work would be what it is now. I mean, I I think I know my work wouldn't be what it is now if not for both having parents who encouraged me. But like I grew up in a family, both of my parents were visual artists, right? So like I grew up in a family where art was not just something that you did as a sort of pipe dream. You know, it was like that was that was their business right and so and and not just that it was like what they'd studied they'd gone to you know like gone to a an arts high school like you know they were they were from a world where art was something that was attainable and also something that they intentionally wanted to like pass down or like encourage um so i would say that having had parents who not necessarily like the same art practice but like saw that something was important to me and because I was important to them, they were going to encourage and support whatever, you know, like whatever was, yeah, that's, I think instilled in me such a, a belief in myself and in like whatever it is that I'm like creating in the moment that still carries with me, you know, now for sure. Oh yeah. And and that's great, you know, just be able to have parents that like you like you mentioned, and they, they see it, they want to encourage you. And even mm-hmm. I felt like even if you wanted to be a chef, they would mm-hmm. say, Hey, you we want you to cook mm-hmm. up the best meal every mm-hmm. time you go out there and, and you present yourself to the yeah. masses. And that's that's great to be able to have that influence. Yeah. Now, did you have friends who were into the same things you were into, or they kind of straightway did their own thing? Um I feel like growing up, my friends were into, I mean, obviously I got in, into groups with friends who were, you know, into my same interests, but um, I don't really remember having friends who were particularly into art um, as a young person. In fact, like, I know I have friends from high school who only in the last like 10 years have seen my paintings from high school because they wow. didn't realize and some of them are paintings of them, you oh, know? So it's interesting, <laughs> like, yeah, I just never, it was it was just not at the forefront because I was a writer. And so people knew that about me, you know? Um, and, you know, the other stuff was like more hobby-like, you know? Okay. Um, but I certainly had friends who were writers and who were interested in, um, in poetry and in prose and, you know, sort of making that a thing um, pretty early on, I would okay. say, uh, yeah. And so what would you say to those who feel like, oh, I have to have friends that we have to be into the same things. If we're not, then I just got to push them away or or I got to find new friends. Like, how do you you know? Can you give some advice to people that's kind of in that limbo stage? Sure. I think that 
I think that it's different, different at different ages, right? I think that when you're younger, it can be um, difficult to understand that what you're interested in is for you, mm -hmm. right? And what someone else is interested in might be just for them, right? And yeah. that's fine. And you can sort of learn from each other's like energy mm -hmm. more so than from like doing the exact same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that oftentimes we, I mean, as children and as adults, but like I think that we can kind of get caught up in like what's kind of what's on someone else's plate, if you will, when mm -hmm. like you got to be focused on what you care about and be able to see like what matters to me or even what mattered to me is the passion that someone else has for what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I get excited seeing that someone else loves some random thing. I might not want to talk to them, but, you yeah. know, um, or vice versa, but like, I'm, ex it, I'm enthusiastic for the joy that it brings them, yeah. you know? Um, and I want to encourage them to, you know, do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then for all, for all those that's listening, you know, having that sustained joy and being able to get yourself out there and having encouragement is what mm -hmm. so many people need. Mm -hmm. In this world, it's so easy to point out things that's negative and say, oh, well, I would have painted this like this, or I would have drew this like this, or I would have cooked this like this. But then you ask yourself, what are they doing? Are they ready to face the crowd? And so, you know, like she's mentioning, that doesn't mean you have to throw the whole friend away, but you got to look at things and say, no matter what, who's for me, against me, and decisive, I still got to keep moving on. And that's obviously what you're doing with these great pieces that we see behind us here. So moving forward, you know, middle school, high school, did you get into like any competitions or did you do anything to where you was able to showcase your, your pieces to like different people on a, on a bigger scale? Yeah. So in, um, in middle school and high school, I was still writing. Um, my visual art was definitely for me. Um, I did. So my parents were, um, my mother was more of an illustrator. She did painting, especially like as she got older, but, um, but very much like line work and watercolor and gouache and like, you know, sort of strict, not strict, but realistic work, right? Mm -hmm. So my rebellion was, I was an abstract painter. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm all about abstraction. I'm all about writing. I have no interest in, you know, anything that you've seen, but that was my whole thing. I'm like, they've seen that before, yeah. <laughs> like whatever, right? Makes sense. Um, so, in high school, I was, I mean, I was doing performance poetry. Um, I used to do, there was like, poetry was really big. So <laughs> I'm old, right? Um, poetry, <laughs> poetry in the 90s, like the late 90s when I was, you know, in high school, that was, um, or mid 90s, I guess, was um, poetry was having a moment, right? Um, and especially in DC um, and, uh, and New York. And so, um, I, I definitely did competitions. I did, um, there was kind of like a poetry circuit. And so we would go around and perform and, and I consider myself a performance poet as opposed to, you know, just sort of a written poet. Um, but I also used to like hustle my little chat books on the street and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I was definitely like putting myself out there. Yeah. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things. If you have any goals, you have any, any gifts. You got to be able to know, like, it just can't stay in house. You got to eventually be able to show the people, hey, this is this is what makes me happy. And I feel like I'm great at this and it can help you move forward. Now, with that being said, as far as with your your, your poetry, do you remember the first poem you wrote, the name of it, at least? No, not at all. I mean, it would be so long ago. I 
I was first published like when I was 11. I mean, long, long, long time ago. Um, so yeah, my early poetry, I have no recollection of. Um, I can remember the first piece that I did that was based on art because I used to I used to write poems in response to other visual to visual art. Okay. Um, so I can remember uh, I did a um, long form poem um, in response to Romare Bearden's The Block, uh, which is a um, it's, they're multi-panels. I don't know if it's like 18 panels, but it's multi-paneled uh, collage um, about um, basically a block in Harlem. Um, and it's in the uh, Met, in the collection of the Met. It's very, rarely on view, but um, you can look it up online. And um, I, I was just so moved by it. And I remember my first exposure to it was um, actually a book with, I want to say it was, maybe like Langston Hughes's poetry written and then the block as a, you know, like almost like illustrations. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember just being like, wow, that was the first time I'd seen that combination of like, how can you respond to, you know, another person's art form with mm -hmm. your art form, you know? And even though those weren't written or made, you know, to be together, they were just sort of placed together for that book. I was like, wait a minute, this is this is a new way for me to engage. So yeah, I definitely remember that um, very well. Um, and I remember that one of the lines in that poem, and it might be the last line actually, um, was poverty licking their mouths out like the bitter, bitter something of a kiss. And I just remember that. Um, yeah, it's it, that that piece is still very very moving to me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's one thing about creating. You may have something that influenced you and no matter what you do, no matter how you adapt, you can have different things to where, you know, you can always peel back those layers and say, this was my inspiration. This was my influence. And this is why I still keep going on. And speaking of the block, mm -hmm. how do you what, what advice do you give for people who feel like they have writer's block more often mm -hmm. than usual? Writer's block. It's interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think that. Writer's block is something you have to believe in mm. for it to exist. Um, I don't believe in writer's block. I don't believe in block, right? Like, I also, I don't want to say I don't believe in inspiration because that sounds bad, but I believe that makers make, right? Um, and if you know that it's your calling and it's something that you have to do, you will do it, period. And it's not really because you're feeling like doing it so much as because it's your job, right? That doesn't mean it's always good, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that we, sometimes artists and writers, I think can kind of get, sorry, one second. Um, I think that sometimes artists and writers can um, almost hide behind the idea of like a writer's block or a creative mm. block um, when really it's really just getting back out there and making that will break the block. Yeah. And that's just by choice. That's a choice, right? Like, again, it doesn't mean that what you do to break the block is going to be good, but you have to do it, you know? Um, and yeah, I think that I think that's it. I mean, 
Um, but I also, am, again, from a family where their jobs were creative professions. So like you, you do it or you don't, you always yeah. do, you know, that just goes to show you don't block your own blessing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just, just assuming that, Hey, you can't, something's not, something's wrong with you. Sometimes mm-hmm. during different periods of life, uh, whether it's something political that's going on, something internal, family, whatever the case may be, it may give us reasons to why I can't do this right now. But if it's in you, if that's your true gift and your calling, it'll never go away. You know, right. as long as you sharpen your tools and become better each day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thank you for giving us that advice. Yeah. Know, that and thing. I think on what you just said about um, there being times when, you know, there are seasons to create. Right. There are seasons of creativity and there are seasons of. I mean, there's just many, many seasons in your life, right? And that doesn't mean that, you know, when I say that I don't believe in a block, it doesn't mean that I don't mean that there will be pauses or times when you won't be, um, or when when creating, as in like, maybe you're a person who draws, there might be a time when drawing isn't the thing that needs to come out of you, right? Um, but I don't necessarily, again, I don't believe in a block, right? I think that that might be an indication that you're in a season for, um, observing others work or a season for writing or a season for examining oneself. Um, and those can be momentary, right? It can be something that in that moment you are, um, observing, you know, maybe you're going to galleries or maybe you're reading art books or, you know, having salons and talking to other artists or, you know, writing morning pages or whatever it is, right? It's not necessarily that that art form that you always do. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, just to kind of tail back a little bit, you mentioned you were published at 11. Mm -hmm. Now, it's people at 11 years old still trying to figure out how to ride a bike. You know what I mean? So for you, like, how did that feel at that young age being published? And did you at that moment know the significance of that? So I was extremely determined as a kid. Uh, In fact, I like to joke and it's not really a joke. Like I've always been the person I am right now. Right. Like I've always been this person, however, for better and worse. Right. (laughs) Um, but I think, so yes, I think that I knew the significance of being published, but I certainly didn't know. I mean, I was probably 30 before I realized that it was not common to be one, be the kind of kid who's like, you know, telling your parents, like, we need to get a book about publishing poetry because I need to be in a national journal. (laughs) Like, you know, um, but I also didn't know how unusual the opportunities I ended up having were even for people who were the kind of kids who were like, I'm going to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I, I think I grew up in an environment where other, I was around other children who were also like hyper achievers Mm -hmm. So it seemed pretty normal to me. I, in fact, I didn't, I felt, found myself to be extremely unremarkable, you know? Um, but I definitely had the encouragement of the adults around me to say, like, if you want to do this, we'll like, you know, we'll, we'll make packets or like, you know, we'll help you address the envelopes or whatever. And I was typing on a typewriter, right? Like I didn't have um, special resources or anything to, to do it. I just knew that like I saw poetry in like 17 magazine. And so I wanted to be in 
you know, like some kind of magazine or, yeah. you know what I mean? That was, that was really it. It, it sounds to me confidence for you. It wasn't a fragrance you could just spray on. It was just in you, like you mentioned it. And, yeah, in um, some ways, yeah. And that's great. I mean, parents, friends, family, if you see somebody that they have a certain gift and they're really great at it, you know, pour into them. It may, it may not always be financially. Hey, you may not have it, but just those kind words, you just, hey, man, that's great. Or what, when's, when's your next event? Sometimes people just need that to keep on going on. So that's great to hear. Now, as far as with either your poetry or the pieces like you have now, what was one of the first places outside of this state or this area that your uh, art was a feature? Um, well, I went to college outside of Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and so I my first like real show was at my university. Okay. Um, and yeah, since then, mm, I don't even know. Um, I guess I had a recent-ish show, I guess, think like 2019, 2020, um, in New Mexico, which I think is the farthest from here that my okay. show, my work has been shown. Yeah. Okay. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as internationally, is there any place in mind, like a dream place you would like to mm. see your exhibit? Um, I would love to show, yeah, I mean, there are so many places, right? Like in life, I would love to show, um, you know, in like dream, dream, like really, really dream, Dreams. probably like right. Tate Modern, right? Okay. Like, yeah, somewhere... Um, not just international, but like international museum. That would be awesome. That yeah. Would. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I take opportunities as, as they come and like, if they feel like they're, you know, it's right for me. Um, I think that it would be really awesome to um, show in the um, Caribbean in the West Indies. Um, I um, think that it would be really interesting to show in, um, you know, sort of along those same lines in like Panama in um, Guyana Um to engage further with the um, African diaspora and mm -hmm. in, you know, what I call like indigenous Western hemispherians. I'm, that is, those are pe the people that I'm, you know, making work about. Yeah. And so I would love to take that, you know, take it international in that way as well. That's great. For sure. All the rest of the, all the rest of the uh, continents, y'all get ready. Yeah. Y'all yes. get ready. She, she's coming. <laughs> Real soon. So now, as far as where your family's from, you know, the roots and everything, uh, where is your family from? So most of my family is from Virginia and North Carolina. Um, I, I'm a native Washingtonian. I was born in D.C., but um, my three of my grandparents are from um, Virginia. Well, yeah, basically from Virginia. I have one gran grandfather who was born in North Carolina, but like literally maybe 30 miles into North Carolina, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so... I, I sort of count <laughs> him. Yeah, I sort of count him in the, uh, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, I mm -hmm. think of as sort of its own little region. Um, and then I had one grandparent who was born in Tennessee. But yeah, so we're very much from this, um, from this area. Um, and a lot of the work you'll see in my work, there are a lot of themes of water and waterways. Um, and some of that is because um, my North Carolina grandfather, my, um, my family is Saponi. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, our ancestors were, uh, boatmen on the, um, the Roanoke river. Um, and then my, my family has, a like a, 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 a generations long connection to, uh, the James river. Um, because we're basically, my ancestors came into the country through 
um, like basically the Norfolk, you know, Hampton Roads area um, and traveled across the state. And so my um, one part of my family is in the Caroline County area and Richmond. And then um, the other part of my Alexander family is uh, from the Rockbridge area. Um, and so, you know, if you sort of traverse the, um, the, the James, you kind of get off into all these little tributaries that, um, you know, that, that bring us to where our family is. Okay. Now. So last time I was here, we had a conversation cause I seen her name is Lori Ivy Alexander mm -hmm. and the Ivy part, it stuck out to me. My last name is Ivy, Ivy R Y. And, uh, I'm from Georgia. So when I seen that and I was like, you know, I seen some people with that name back <laughs> home and I was trying to figure out, did you have family back in Georgia mm -hmm. as well? Because that's a very unique name. It's not really common. So, um, can you give us some, you know, just some, uh, background on that? Sure. Um, so the Ivy family for me is, um, based in, um, Halifax, North Carolina, Halifax County. Um, it is, like I said, you know, uh, just just over the um, into North Carolina, just across the Virginia border, um, the I, our Ivy family entered the U.S. in um, I think like 1676, something oh, wow. like that. Um, I mean, probably before that, but that's how far we can you know trace it back. But um, uh, they entered through Norfolk, and um, I do believe that the in fact I know that the Ivy Ivy E Y family that is in Georgia is from the same family. Um, because I think it's like four brothers who came. Um, and um, the interesting thing for um, my family, and I learned this from actually a, a genealogist in, I think he's based in Texas. Um, the first uh, recorded Ivy, the Ivy brother um, in our family was marrying a biracial woman mm. in Norfolk. And that's why his name, you know, that's that's the recording of it. And so uh, this, you know, sort of white genealogist was just telling me, like, you know, it's interesting to look back, right, and see the the ways in which we engage with race now. Um, and then if we can kind of rewind all the way, all the way, all the way back and see how, you know, how how significant and insignificant race was. And then we think like, well, what about all these people who are, you know, going in and out of blackness, right? Mm -hmm. um, who all descend from, you know, the same couple. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's definitely something I feel like everyone should look into, you know, your, your genealogy, knowing your roots. A lot of us mm -hmm. say, yeah, you know, my, my cousin and this side, my cousin on that side, but really, you know, follow up and see like where your family is from. Because it may be surprised, you know, some people, you may be uh, related to, you know, all types of people that you wouldn't even think like, oh, there's no way I could relate to somebody over in this country or in uh, in this city or this state. But you never know, because sometimes history doesn't get passed down. And then when there's a, a gap in history, and you don't know who you are, or where you're from. You're going to it's going to draw questions as you get older if you're seeking that knowledge. So it's good that you were able to uh, get that information and just uh, utilize that. Now, as far as with your family, your history, do you ever have pieces that uh, you pay homage back to like your ancestors and things of that nature? Yeah, for sure. Um, so most of the work is really based around um, either interviews that I've done with my family or um, there are, there's a whole series of so this piece in the middle here is from a series called Four Mothers um, that is about the concept of art lineage. So um, who is in your art genealogy? Um, 
So I think I sort of play with the idea of, um, of genetic history in mm-hmm. a number of different ways. Um, and then I, so some of the work here, which you can't see right now, but um, there's some figurative work over um, just a, across the way um, that um, is collage based. I consider all of these collages, um, but uh, in the collage work, oftentimes I'm playing with um, family stories and or um, going through family photographs and basically pairing them with a story that you know has been passed down to me mm-hmm. or that I've gotten from you know one of my um, one of my cousins and then trying to sort of translate that into you know layers and shapes and forms. Um, so I'm very much interested. I think that I even if the work is not literally about the family or about that genetic history that's it's always there um yeah i think that it's always it's always part of the work no oh, that's that's very very important yeah. now as far as organizations do you partner with any uh, local organizations and i want to ask you too are you part of any like sororities um no sororities um i am a member of the black artists of dc um not as active as i should be <laughs> Every time I show up, people are like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Because you're actively working on, you know, you know. Um, I have shown with, um, there's a group in D.C. um, for black, or not for black, for um, artists who are also attorneys. Um, So I've shown with them. um, And I also um, am the founder of um, the Abstract Sisterhood, which is a collective and community for um, women of color uh, who work as in primarily in abstraction and uh, conceptual work. Um, so I certainly, you know, engage with with them. Yeah. And so uh, when you started working with these organizations, mm-hmm. like how did you feel as far as like seeing the progress they were making? And did that have any effect on you as far as like, you know, but I want to do more of this? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, engaging with um, I, I, I consider myself a community builder, right? Like I really like um, engaging with, not just with others, but like with groups of others, right? Mm-hmm. I like to see other people's individual progress and, and see what someone else is working on that might be different from what I'm working on. Um, try to sort of understand the world, especially like the art world through the lens of someone who maybe has been where I am right now, but like has gotten to somewhere else that I might want to be. Um, Black Artists of DC is just a phenomenal organization. Um, unfortunately, there there are not as many um, engaged younger artists, I would say. Like I'm not young and I'm one of the younger artists. Um, so I would like to see, you know, more of that. But I mean, you know, those are just natural sort of ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, but it's really exciting to me to see the phenomenal work that those um, more established artists are doing and have done. Um, and just to learn about, you know, um, the ways they're engaging with technology and with, you know, um, different printing forms. And, you know, just there's just so much available to us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's exciting to, you know, to be able to sort of see kind of a lens into someone else's practice and else's studio. Um, with regard to the abstract sisterhood, it's been amazing to see, um, the progression, right. Of people who, I mean, we started with some folks who've never done 
a show, right? Like they've been making art for years and years, but had never like put it out into the world. And so, or had done shows because they sort of came to them, but not really been like applying for things, right? And then see, you know, their engagement and their community and their collectors grow, you know? Um, it's been really, I mean, really rewarding, I think. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. great. It seems like you're inspired and you continue mm-hmm. to inspire more people. So with that, with that being said, can you name me two poets mm-hmm. and two, whether it's graphic artists, painters, mm-hmm. um, two of each. And can you give me just a little bit of reasons why they're influenced, they're influenced on you or why they're important in general? Right. Um, let's see. So for painters, the first person, oddly enough, comes to mind is Yosef Kumunyaka. Um, Yosef Kumunyaka is a, I don't even know where he teaches now, but he, um, when I was young and um, I was really engaged with his work, um, he was, I think he was at Emory um, University. He's definitely not there now, but um, his engagement with the past, um, with, I guess, both um, our identity as Americans, as well as our identity as members of the African diaspora, um, is just intriguing to me. Um, I think that he handles language so beautifully and so delicately that, um, yeah, it's just really, really compelling. I mean, I could go on about poets forever, but, um, the, the other, let me think about that actually. So there's another person who comes to mind, um, and it's interesting because I don't really think of her as a poet now, but um, Elizabeth Alexander is someone who has been influential in my life throughout my life. Um, she's now, I want to say she's at the Mellon Foundation. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember. But um, but uh, yeah, I I actually didn't know I didn't know her as a poet, I guess. Um, but as I got to understand her work, again, it's not really thinking of her as a poet, but like just the way that she has approached um, the writing life, I think is really um, kind of fabulous. And uh, yeah, always will stick, you know, stick out in my mind. Um, the, the one time I think I can remember really being starstruck as a young person was um, when I met uh, Nick Giovanni. So she's someone else who like, for me was just, you know, oh my God, you know, the who's this, who? <laughs> this is, yeah, like this is, uh, I've had a lot of those moments, but they're always like someone that only someone who's in my like very, very narrow niche would be <laughs> like, I'm like so excited about. Um, but yeah, so that's someone else who, um, you know, really influenced my, my work and continues to, right. I, I'm always excited to hear the way that she sees the world and and how she's, you know, adapting to the sort of circumstances of, of, of modern life. Yeah. Um, as far as visual artists, um, wow. So again, like so, so many people, but right now I'm really excited about, um, Deborah Roberts, um, who's a well, she's a she's a visual artist, but she does a lot of phenomenal collage work. Um, and I'm always excited to see someone who is working now, right? Like 
to be able to kind of engage with, with a present day, you know, active, um, creator. Um, another artist who is really exciting me right now is, um, my friend, Aliana Grace Bailey, um, who's a Baltimore based, um, artist, uh, who she does some, um, abstract work, but now she's working more in, um, fiber art. Um, and, um, actually is a finalist for the Sondheim award, um, prize in, in Baltimore. Um, yeah, her work is phenomenal and, um, just seeing the way that she engages with color and, um, and I guess movement through, you know, um, through create, by creating fiber art, it's just, I mean, so moving to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just great to hear, you know, you, you speak about, cause she's, you know, don't let her downplay it. Like she's phenomenal herself. You know, once <laughs> you see all these pieces she has, you're like, man, like, I don't know them people. I don't know all those names, but I know I'm knowing her now, but it's just great to see how all these different people, like they have, you know, different gifts, different abilities and talents and the way you're able to, you know, take things from them and then utilize that in your own way as far as just inspiration wise. You know, you do have those who feel like I got to do something exactly like what I see and then maybe, you know, I'll be profound just like them. But you have something in you, you got your own visions, your own dreams and goals and you just stick with that. Don't worry about what you see somebody else doing and how they're progressing because you don't know where they started at. Some people started you know, at the high level because they had the right resources, everything around them. And for someone like yourself, it was just in you. You know what I'm saying? From a young child, you wanted to be the best. You wasn't going to accept nothing but being the best. And even when it seems like you probably wasn't able to give your best at that moment in time, you made up for it down the line. And uh, I think that's something that we all need to take with us everywhere we go when we at work or whatever we're doing. So with that being said, have you had anyone come up to you maybe after a class or a session you did and say, hey, you know, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm nervous. I don't really know how to get myself out there. I, I think I want to give this up. Like, what would you say to them? Um, yeah. So one, I definitely have had people say that. Uh, I almost invariably after a talk um, get questions about like, how do you find the time to make art? Because they feel like their, you know, their work lives or their personal lives, their family, whatever, uh, take up so much of their time. And um I would say two things. One, I think that giving up isn't really an option. Like if you really think about it, it's not an option. It's going to keep, even if you say, you know what, I'm going to take these next five years and just like not look at that, right? Like not do whatever that thing is. Um, it's going to come back, right? Like after those five years, you're going to have five years worth of stuff like built up, right? You're going to have to get it out. Um, and I think that there are ways, again, like ways to engage, right? Um, maybe you're not going to be able to commit fully at all times and you definitely won't be able to, right? Um, but being able to set aside some intentional time and energy um, for whatever your art form is, I think it's just, it's something that you have to do. Um, like I work a more than full-time job. I have a 77 person team, right? Like I've got a lot of things pulling at me. You know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a community builder. I do um, volunteerism. I'm active, right? All the time <laughs> to my detriment, right? I don't say, I always say like, don't be like me. But that being said, like, this is a show with, you know, 30 paintings in it, right? There are 23 paintings, eight collages, and some other, there's a, there's another collage that I did for, um, FX network in the, uh, November or December, I guess. And, um, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of work here, right? And 14 of these paintings are new, you know? Um, that means that, you know, I didn't paint for a while and I was like, I need 14 new paintings. Um, I'm going to have to take some time and like work on them, right? Like uh, that doesn't, like, again, it doesn't mean like you're working on it every single day necessarily, but maybe you set aside a week and say, you know, every day this week, I'm going to take two hours, you know, mm -hmm. um, and put into whatever it is. And the other thing I would say is if you're not able to do that, literally just setting aside the time and not doing other things, right? So like, if that means you just go into your, I don't know, living room or whatever, wherever it is you make art, right? If it's your dining room table and pulling out your, you know, art supplies and just sitting there with them, right? Like maybe just reading a book or like listening to music, but engaging with it, right? Like doing that as an intentional activity um, where you're in your art practice, just for whatever that window is, if it's an hour in the morning. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that there's always a way, um, but you are the, you're the, you're the, you're where time comes from. I don't know who says that, but Someone told me that a long, long time ago. You you create time. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned about the time and basically the efforts. If you got so much time to make excuses, subtract so half of that and put it into those efforts and you can see something come out of it. Because so many times we may hear friends, family, people at work, man, I really want to do this. I want to finish that. I'm so close, but you know, I just don't have the time. And it's like, you have to make the time. Sometimes, you know, in this life, we make sacrifices. Man, I really don't want to work this job. But I got to make these ends meet. You got to make those ends meet so you can be able to do other things you want to do, because the more you keep pushing things back, pushing things back. Now, that passion that you really had, you may just be uh, getting to the point where now it's, it's just going away and you got to build that back up. And so for me, sometimes I may, you know, watch like a, something funny. So I listen to, you know, listen to some comedians or even listen to interviews. So people like herself, if they had like a, a forum uh, on YouTube, whatever, I would listen to it to kind of get an idea of. How do they gauge diversity when it comes to uh, things they want to do, whether it's um, something in their life traumatic that happened or, or whatever the case may be, unforeseen things? And how do they push through? Because that's what it's all about, pushing through and seeing your dreams come to reality. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you're not living for that, then, you know, what is life? But, you know, it's to each his own at the end of the day. So before we close out, is there anything as far as uh, any events you want to put people on the lookout for or just anything in general you want to let the viewers know? Um, I think get out there and enjoy the weather. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, um, I do have an open studio coming up on May 7th, mm -hmm. um, which is a Sunday. Um, and my studio is in um, Georgetown in the Fillmore School. Um, so, yeah, that's my upcoming event okay um, yeah. and as far as your social media you want to give them uh, that sure okay um i'm Lori ivy all over the internet so that's l-o-r-y-i-v-e-y on instagram i'm Lori ivy art that's l-o-r-y-i-v-e-y-a-r-t um and lauriivy.com so come visit me on all of those you know all of those places right. i want to thank you again for being on this platform yeah. and before we close out i want to give a shout out to her brother that's part of the yeah the camera crew today <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh, impromptu, of course, but uh, I just want to thank them for both being here. Uh, like I said, she has amazing art here. And if you if you are in the area, she mentioned about, you know, younger 
uh, individuals, you know, being a part of the organization that she she frequents and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So reach out to her if you unsure of yourself, if you feel like whatever the case may be, let her answer those questions for you and just don't walk around in doubt. But uh, like I said, thank you again. And until next time, this is another edition of uh, Credit's Like Podcast. Why don't you give? Now stay blessed. Peace. Thank you. I hear every day a star is born, but not everybody seems to see the light. So many thoughts when I sleep at night, but I feel blessed when I wake up to see the light. Can you see the light? To my surprise, I took the chance and won. Mission still in progress, I ain't done. We laugh, we cry, etc. under the sun. The more you run, the less you get done. The more it's done, well, you know the rest. Another goal to mark off your checklist. I keep my hopes high while still farming the stress. Yes, I hear every day a star is born. But not everybody seems to see the light. So many thoughts when I sleep at night. But I feel blessed when I wake up to see the light. Can you see the light? I'm building a place where my mind can reset and replace all the different memories I see day to day. Taking my time, making my time, making the most of my time. Ain't satisfied yet, but I'm getting there. Matter of fact, I don't need satisfied in my vocabulary. The same for the word, hope or maybe. And one day I hope you understand. The light never leaves you. It's all in your head. Take time to heal. Take time to learn. Take time to love. I hear every day a star is born, but not everybody seems to see the light. So many thoughts when I sleep at night, but I feel blessed when I wake up to see the light. Can you see the light?